again. Thank you guys for tuning in to Voice of the Fans podcast. We're going to do this all over again. What's going on, Cleveland? Doing great, Cam. Uh, you know, maintain during this uh, quarantine. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Six weeks in uh, grinding here through this quarantine period. Hope you fans are doing well out there. And we're here to give you a fresh podcast to listen to each and every week. We haven't gone nowhere. This is week 84 of the Voice of the Fans podcast. Thank you, and we truly thank you guys for tuning in. Mr. Cleveland, this week we're going to talk about the NFL draft, kind of do a recap of some a draft from a few years ago, see how teams are grading, see how the players are fared out. We're going to do our weekly NBA topics, kind of see what's going on in the NBA, some of the things they're doing, commenting on the 2K tournament and the horse tournament. As always, we do this week in history. And then is down to two of the Voice of the Fans Hip Hop Tournament. So I hope you tuned in, man. I hope you listened to your listened to your songs and did your homework so we can get this uh give the fans what they've been listening waiting for. It is April fifteenth, week eighty four, as I mentioned. When you hear the number fifteen, Mr. Cleveland. What's the first player that comes to your mind, or who wore this jersey best? The first player that comes to mind is one of the purest scorers the game has ever known, uh, a real cool, smooth cat who gets too much uh, criticism, a cat named Carmelo Anthony. First guy to come to your mind, huh? First player that comes to mind. Okay. I can give you a few reasons why he gets a little criticism, but, you know, there was a wide receiver played for the University of Washington Huskies, your alma mater, if I remember correctly, who was extra smooth in and out of his breaks. A kid by the name of Anthony Allen ended up playing for the Minnesota Vikings. You remember that guy? Oh, wow. Way before his time, man. If, uh, if the slot receiver position was uh, prominent when he was playing, Wow, he would have reinvented the position. What about a guy on the court who probably got more buckets than Carmelo, a guy by the name Earl the Pearl Monroe? Well, he definitely wore the number of best, um, being the fact that Earl the Pearl Monroe did win a championship in New York, which is something that Carmelo tried to do his hardest. But uh, I don't know if he tried yeah, his hardest. Not, but... he, he tried his hardest. I don't know about that, but okay. For, for for what it is that he does now, now you, you, you're baiting me a little bit here, Cam, because people have always had this preconceived notion that Carmelo Anthony was a complete player, and no one ever said that, and Carmelo never said that. But if you want somebody that's going to bring 28 points a game to the arena, that's your guy. If well, you want him to be a leader and play defense. And, oh, uh, you oh. know, be the voice in the huddle. Oh man, you're oh, asking, oh. you're asking a little bit too much. Oh well, that would be but bring, but bring, yeah, but bring the 28 points. Oh yeah, <laughs> I got that. I mean, well, I mean, if you just bring in one facet of the game, that you know, okay, you, and you did press a, press a, uh, preface it by saying, wow, it's not, it's sport. not, it's not just one part of the game. It's, it's really the most important part of the game. And I did watch Carmelo Anthony score 34 points in 14 minutes. Oh my! In a Olympic okay. game, it was kind of ridiculous. Okay, I think we spent too much time on Mr. Carmelo Anthony. Now let's talk about that number 84. With this being week 84, who wore that number best, or who first came to your mind? Wow, I think the person that wore the number the best would have to be uh, Shannon Sharp, the uh, all-pro Hall of Fame tight end for the uh, Broncos and Ravens. Interesting. You picked Shannon Sharp over Randy Moss? I did. Okay, okay. Well, I actually had his brother, Mr. Sterling Sharp, and if it wasn't for a neck injury, he might have been the finished the career as the best wide receiver in the game. Because uh, if you remember correctly, his numbers his numbers were neck and neck with Mr. Jerry Rice back when he was receiving passes from uh, Don Mikowski. 
in in Green Bay. So Sterling Sharp, unsung hero, maybe a guy who needs to be considered for the Hall of Fame. Well, that's mm-hmm. another conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't say number eight four for the Seattle Seahawks back in the early nineties, Mister Joey Galloway. The fastest receiver um, to date, but no, I did not. I did not have him in the conversation. He's not one of the first people that comes to mind. Quite honestly, he played with Rick Myers. Quite a bit, but... He he so yeah, I, I, I didn't say he had the best quarterback to throw to him. I'm just saying, you know, hey man, no, he, part of the game, right? He 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 suffered through some tough uh, times in as a Seattle Seahawks, but. Uh, him on the PlayStation was uh, ridiculous, and then Mr. Herman Moore. I'm sure you don't. You, you probably don't even know who that guy is. Uh, played alongside a kid like Barry Sanders. Herman Moore was a was a beast out there. But I digress. Uh, Cleveland. Just a couple yes, of days sir. ago. Just a couple of days ago, we know there's a lot of changes and a lot of things happening in Carolina with the Panthers. And they decided to make their running back, Christian McCaffrey, the highest paid running back in the game. And, you know, I thought of you when when that happened. I was just wondering what how you thought the special teams player as you put it there, fans, don't let fans do not let this guy off the hook. You heard him call him a special team player. Nothing best, nothing better than a special team player in a draft a few years ago. Let's see if he'll miss that today. And all of a sudden, he's become the highest paid running back in the game. Not only did he gain a thousand, a thousand last year, and then I, I, fans, I'll let you in another secret. We had our first inaugural fantasy football draft last season. And guess who Cleveland picks first? So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about this contract, your thoughts on on C-Mac breaking the bank, and where he positions himself now as ranks among the NFL running backs. Go ahead, Mr. Cleveland. The floor is yours. Oh, well, thanks so much, Cam. Um, You know, the assertion that uh, Christian Jackson McCaffrey is just a special teams player, and that's all that he would ever amount to, is something that I did say. But I have admitted on numerous occasions I was wrong. If that's what you're waiting to hear, fans, if that's what you're waiting to hear, I fully wholeheartedly admit that. I was mistaken with regards to Christian Jackson McCaffrey's abilities on the football field. That being said, do I think that he's worth the contract? No, I don't think he's worth it. But, hey, if you're going to give it to him, go ahead and give it to him. We'll see if he's able to pan out. So you're still, you're still doubting. The guy, kid goes out there and gets 1,000 yards receiving, 1,000 yards rushing, and we have Mr. Cleveland still doubting his effectiveness in the game. I'm not doubting his effectiveness in the game. I'm not doubting his abilities. I'm just saying, wow, the price tag that they put on that is a little higher than anticipated, and um, other backs have been nearly as successful and haven't gotten nearly close to the money. So, you know, there's a little bit going on over there in Carolina, but hey, man. So Get your foundation a, in order and, you know, make sure that, you know, you have the players in place to, you know, make that happen. So there's going to be some run, running backs in line. Let's get into this conversation here in the coming years, running back by the name of Saquon Barkley out of New York, running back by the name of Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. Obviously we know – Henry didn't get his money, or he signed a tenure. He's gonna make in a million this year, a little, a little over ten million. Which one of these backs do you think more deserves this big payday, and better yet, will get the bigger payday? 
I wouldn't say any of those running backs necessarily deserved more of a payday. The one that I think will come closest will be Saquon Barkley in New York, just because we've been able to see what he can do when he's healthy, and uh, he's a beast out there. So, you know, Saquon versus Christian. Right now, I'm going to take Christian every day, all day. But Listen to this. He's going to take he's going to take Christian McCaffrey over Saquon Barkley. My how quickly things change. My how quickly things change. This is this is incredible. I'm not going to let you off this hook, man. When you call this guy and I try to explain to you back then how he ran through the tackles. He played in a pro style offense in college. He ran. He didn't hit the edges. He ran up the middle in between the tackles in college. Why wouldn't you be able to do it in a game? And you know what you told me? What you tell me? Do you recall? Yeah, I said I didn't think those skills would translate to the next level, and I didn't. But he made me a believer, Cam. So, again, I was wrong. I will say it out loud on the air. I was wrong about what I thought Christian McCaffrey would ultimately become. He's become far greater than that. Okay. Okay, but now you're saying he's, he's, you're willing to pay him more than Saquon Barkley? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is Saquon Barkley, not, he doesn't have more breakaway speed, more breakaway ability? Uh, what's concerning you with Saquon that you don't want to give him the money? health issues, Cam, um, and okay. just, you know, his body of work hasn't been nearly as extensive and nearly as impressive. You know, let's okay. be honest about this. Okay. I just want to hear, hear you say it. That's all. That's all. So, <clears throat> interesting. That's something I want to touch on. Um, we know the NFL draft can be tricky. So, let's look at the 2016 draft, a draft from three years ago. And let's tell me, I want you to tell me, I've graded them. You see my grades. I want you to tell me where you don't agree with the grades. This is a draft where Jared Goff went number one by the Rams, and I gave him a B. He did get him to the Super Bowl. He has a great coach who's going to help, who's helped molding him, obviously. I gave him a B. What would you give them? Looking back at it now, three years later, what would you look look at it now, the grade for the Rams and Jared Goff? Well, for the number one pick in the draft, it's probably a tad bit high. Maybe more around four or five was probably where he probably should have graded out. But like you said, he did get his team to a Super Bowl. And um, in the Sean McVay offense, he's been pretty productive. If he has a, you know, a, a running back that can kind of help augment what it is that he does. So do you agree with the B, or it should have been higher? No, I agree with the B. No, no, I agree with the B. That, that, okay. that, that's a good grade for him. In the number two pick of that same draft, Philadelphia Eagles chose Carson Wentz. Now, I had Carson Wentz on the MVP caliber season a couple of years ago when the team, he kind of led them to, a, I think, a 13-1 record when he was on the field. The team – end up going to the Super Bowl. He was injured, so he didn't play in that Super Bowl. But I'm looking at the body of work throughout the season. He was on MVP trajectory. Had he, got, had he not gotten hurt late in the season, actually here in Los Angeles. So I graded that pick at A. Um, you would say his performance last year was kind of lacking, but I think the team, after that hunger, was kind of took a step back. You know, after you go to the Super Bowl, you win it. They're not the same team. So I graded that at A. What would you say that pick was for the Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz? Mm, I would give him more like a B, B plus. Um, I can't really give him an A because I feel that the injuries kind of overshadow what it was that he was projected to do. And Nick Foles was able to step in there and get them a Super Bowl victory. So I would say a B plus. Okay. So not far from the A. Um and even last season, I would go if your injury concerns are, are valid here because he hasn't been healthy throughout his entire 
career, though I think he's performed when he was healthy. So that's why I kind of gave him an A. San Diego uh, took Joey Bosa with the third pick. I mean, he's performed. He has had so – he's held out of uh, his first season, kind of got a slow start, got in the league, been very productive each of his seasons. Um, I grade that an A. I think that was an easy A. Your thoughts? I agree. Uh, he's been dominant. He's been uh, a dominant pass rusher in the game. Um, was not expecting quite so much from him, so I would give him an A. Joey Bosa's teammate back at Ohio State, Ezekiel Elliott, I think he was the ire of all teams that this draft who needed a running back. The Cowboys were sitting at number four. They took him. Ezekiel Elliott is the every down back, bell cow type running back to this day. Even though last year there were some injuries involved with the team that he didn't get the exact production that he got his first couple years, I still think that was a a draft draft pick. Your thoughts? Give him an A. Uh, drafting running back at the number four pick is a little bit uh, risky. Um, they hit Tater on it. They got Ezekiel Elliott. I would give him an A on that. We're looking back at Jalen Ramsey with number five with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They drafted him. They end up, not this year that they went to. An AFC championship. Was it this year or the next year? Two years ago. I think it might have been the next year when they got Fournette that they went to the AFC Championship. But Jalen Ramsey is league-wide known as the top three or four cornerbacks in the game. And I think because they had to trade him, I couldn't give him an A because they traded him. Whether it's chemistry, fit, it wasn't a performance on the field, but I had to give him an A. I had to, I couldn't give him an A because they traded him. I gave him a B on that draft pick. How do you grade that pick? You know, I'm okay with a B plus, A minus. Like you said, he is one of the top five corners in the game. If you draft him one of the top five picks, you got one of the top five at, at their given position. He did well. Okay. Um, let's moving on here to San Francisco. Forty Nine ers got DeForest Buckner out of Oregon. He's on the team that went to the Super Bowl just last year as a productive player. How do you grade that? I gave him a. I gave can him give, him, can, oh, I can give him a B. Yeah, they weren't even sure that he was really an integral part of their team. Top five picks typically are that. So, yeah, I'm going to have to give him a B on that one. He was a seven, and he's became – he developed into an integral part of that team. I mean, what what, what, what weren't you happy about with DeForest Buckner? It's not what I wasn't happy with about him. It's what the 49ers weren't happy with about him. They allowed him to leave him for agency. They could have very easily signed him and decided that he wasn't worth the, worth the dollar amount mm-hmm. that uh, okay. other teams were willing to pay. Okay. Um, Jack Coughlin is kind of hard to grade offensive uh, linemen. I graded them by uh, their amount of starts that they played, whether they started all the their, uh, seasons or how many games they started um, out of what their career, how many possible starts they could have got out of their career. That's why I kind of graded a lot of these offensive linemen on. I gave Jack Conklin a B for Tennessee Titans. And again, they were one of the better running teams in the in the league last season. So I think that's a fair grade. Your thoughts? I would agree. Uh, like you say, it's kind of hard to assess how dominant an offensive lineman is unless they're extremely dominant. And he hasn't been that, but at the same time, uh, he's definitely been serviceable. And like you said, he was uh, blocking behind uh, Derrick Henry, so or in front of Derrick Henry, so. Leonard Floyd, he didn't play all the possible games out of Georgia for the Chicago Bears. I gave him a C. Fair assessment. 
haven't haven't really uh, seen him on the radar as far as a top ten pick. So yeah, we'll say average for now. Being that Eli Apple was traded to New Orleans, they weren't really happy. They weren't ecstatic with him in in New York. They didn't get the production they expected to get out of him. Traded him to New Orleans. I, I gave him a C grade because he does start New Orleans. Your thoughts on that pick? He's still a starter, but not nearly the dominant corner that they had the hope to to have when they drafted him. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the average on that pick. Vernon Hargraves, the cor- corner out of Florida, a guy who, I, as a Dolphin fan, I heavily coveted at the time. Again, whether it is fit, the right team or right scheme, he hasn't played up to his full capabilities in Tampa Bay. I gave them a C for that pick. How about you? Gonna have to give uh Hargreaves a D. Uh, not really living up to expectation. We expected a lot more out of him and uh he is not that. Sheldon Rankins in the New Orleans Saints again defensive tackle. I looking at more of the starts that they get out of them and the defense has been sought better over the last few years. Um, still not great, obviously, but they've been better. So I gave him a B. Yeah, Sheldon Rankins is not a name that uh, you know brings uh, fear to anybody's heart. So, and that's what he was supposed to be. So, yeah, see at best. See at best. Larry Mutunzel. Larry he got traded from Miami to the Texans. I think that Miami got a second round pick out of him. If I'm not mistaken, um, I graded him a B. He was a good, he was a good, solid mainstay for the Dolphins. However, he goes to Houston and in the playoffs, playing against better competition, kind of didn't live up to the billing. I gave him a B for the draft pick out of the Dolphins. For the Dolphins, your thoughts? You know, I'm gonna give him an A minus as far as uh, kind of you know what he was expected to do. I know he fell in the draft because of some, uh, you know questionable behavior with regards to, uh, you know, the gas mask and all that. So mm, I feel confident with the A minus. A minus. Wow. You're pretty high. Um, Carl Joseph safety drafted by the Raiders. This is again in the 2016 draft that we're reviewing next year, next week, we'll do the 2017 draft to kind of give you guys a idea how these teams are drafting. Kyle Joseph, the safety from West Virginia, drafted to the Raiders. I gave him a C for that draft pick. You know, we don't hear a whole lot about him, but uh, we don't hear a whole lot about him making mistakes. So I'm okay with giving him a B minus, you know, a little bit better than average. All right. Corey Coleman, Cleveland Browns wide receiver, their slot guy. Had a few too many drop passes. He's get he's got every opportunity now. Again, can you blame the quarterback for because the quarterback took a step back last season? Um, he's he's gotten playing time. He started a lot of their games. I just thought his production isn't quite what a number fifteen draft pick would you would expect from another fifteen draft pick. So that's why I kind of rated him a C. Coleman, I'm going to have to give him a D. I haven't heard word one from that dude. If he was drafted that high, you should be hearing about him a lot more often. Well, you heard if you focus on him at all, there's a lot of drop passes there. Um, that's what you heard about him. Taylor Decker, offensive tackle, Ohio State. I think he started at a possible um, possible 48 games. I think he started 45 of those games, so that was a a, a B um, for the offensive tackle of the Detroit Lions. What would you grade him? Um, I think that he's giving you all that you can expect, especially from an offensive lineman. I would definitely give him a B plus. Atlanta Falcons draw drafted Neil Canoe Neil out of Florida. Uh, this might, as I'm looking about it now and kind of thinking about the production that the the Atlanta Falcons defense has given us over the past few years, that probably should be a C. I, get, I rated them a B. That should probably be a C, though. 
what was your what would your what do you think about uh, the grade for Neil, the safety out of Florida to the Falcons? No, I'd be okay with the B. Like you can't blame all of the uh, Falcons' defensive woes on just one player in one position. I, I thought that he played his position quite well and uh, definitely is a name that kind of rings out, with, you know, throughout the league. So I would I would say B on that. Okay, Ryan Kelly, the center for from Alabama and the Indianapolis Colts, who has widely been recognized as having the best offensive line in the last season or two. And this guy anchoring the line, I gave him a a B for his him being able to start. I think he started uh, 16 of the last 32 games, or excuse me, 32 of the last 32 possible games. And with a possible 48 games, I'm not sure he started a lot of games this rookie season, but he's been a productive player. So I gave him a B as well over the last couple of years anyway. Oh, that's cool. B minus C plus. I think coming out of Alabama, he expects a little bit more, right? So um, I'm not really hearing his name ringing out too tough around the league with regards to you know who the best center in the uh, league is. So yeah, I'm okay with the B minus C plus. I gave him a V again that Colts has probably the best offensive line in the game today. Buffalo Bills, Shaq Lawson at number 19 to get a, the performance and, and out of this guy at the number 19 pick. I gave him an A for this pick. Um, he, he's been a, a force over the last few years for the Buffalo Bills, so I gave him an A. They were expecting more. I would give him a B minus C plus. Wow. Well, I mean, he's pretty good. The Buff Bills are, haven't been bad. Damon Damon Lee, linebacker out of Ohio State, also very productive on the field and giving a lot of production. I gave him an A at number twenty for the New York Jets. Uh, he's been productive. Um, he's definitely been solid. Uh, someone that you can depend on. I think A is a little high. We'll give him a B. Okay. The Houston Texans, Will Fuller. The Houston Texans drafted Will Fuller at the number 21 pick out of Notre Dame. He came on the scene, had one good year. Last couple of years has kind of been suspect. I gave him a B, um, elevating him for the one good year that he has had. How about you? Uh, fans that have read my book and then how I feel about Will Fuller the fifth, I'm giving him a D. <laughs> That's for us, uh, fantasy football uh, production there, uh, fans. A little bias there. Washington Redskins drafted uh, Josh Dotson. As I'm looking at this, I rated him a B. However, you know, is the quarterback that he's playing behind when he got the opportunities, did that impact his opportunities to actually shine? Uh, who knows? But I gave him a B. I think that should probably be a C. Looking back at it, Dawson uh, is uh, probably a B minus to a B. I mean, he's been productive when given the opportunity, but like you said, you know, you don't throw the ball to yourself, so it's kind of hard to stand out if you don't have uh, dynamic quarterbacks that can, you know, get the job done. With the number 23 draft pick, I know you were extremely excited about Laquan Treadwell out of Ole Miss going to the Minnesota Vikings, though his production hasn't been there. A lot of drop balls hasn't really um, shown up when when they need him most. And we don't know, is that opportunity? Is that quarterback? We don't know what that is, but he hasn't ha- he hasn't shown up. I gave him a C. What do you think? Oh, that's your first F. That's your first F of the uh... – of the uh, countdown. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The okay. Shredder is, is not the truth. Okay. Cincinnati Bengals drafted William Jackson out of Houston to play cornerback. And though he's played some games, he hasn't played a lot of their games. And I think that might be ability and fit. So I gave them a, I gave him a C. I was kind of probably pretty high on that one, actually. Yeah, D minus. Um, I'm not going to say that he failed but uh, he's definitely underachieved. Pittsburgh drafted Artie Burns with the 25th draft pick. Again, in the 2016 draft, 
out of Florida to play cornerback. Now we have heard of them that their defense has improved over over the last season. So what do you grade that one? I Arnie's actually a hurricane, and uh, I expected a little bit more from him uh, coming from the U. So I'm going to be a little bit a uh, little bit biased. I'm going to say a C minus. He's not quite what we thought he was going to be. Okay, the Denver Broncos at the number 26 pick now believe they have their franchise quarterback in Paxton Lynch. They got him number 26 in the first round out of Memphis. I mean, if you can get your starting quarterback at the 26 pick, that shouldn't be that should not be a bad. Um, that you should be happy with about that. You get your your starting quarterback at number 26, but his production up to, to this point, I think, has been less than. Um, which less than ideal. I gave him a D. Would you give Paxton Lynch in the Broncos? Would agree. Garbaggio, beans. We gotta give. We gotta give him a D, man. Nothing, nothing even close to being a starting quarterback in the NFL. Kenny Clark was drafted number twenty-seven by the Green Bay Packers at defensive tackle out of UCLA. Again, one of the guys who uh, started many of the starts. I think he missed like five starts in his career so far. So I gave him a B just for production alone, just his availability. What do you get? What do you think? Not a lot of impacts, man. I'm going to have to give him a C minus. The San Francisco 49ers drafted Joshua Garnett, guard out of Stanford. Again, another guy who started, he didn't start his first year, but he second and third year, he gave him a lot of quality starts. I gave him a C for that for that draft. I'm going to go ahead and give him a C for that one. I mean, you know, not not too bad, but, you know, not somebody, again, that, you know, Arizona, Arizona Cardinals at the number 29 pick drafted defensive tackle out of Ole Miss, Robert Inconichi. He's been traded. He's been on three different teams so far in the league. Um, I didn't even know he was on the Dolphins last year. He was a uh, I gave him a C for that draft pick because they had him for one year, traded him the next year. I'm not sure. Um, I give him a C because he has start. He has started in the game. So, oh, he's effed up, man. He's all kinds of effed up, man. Like you said, he's all he's been all over the league, and yeah, no. Okay, the Carolina Packers drafted Vernon Butler, defensive tackle out of Louisiana Tech. Another guy who's been quality. Um, who's been given a quality starts. I gave him a C. What would you what would you give Butler? We'll give him a C. I'm okay with that. Um so again, not a lot of impact. Uh not one of those names that rings out throughout the NFL, but not one of those people that you talk about making a lot of mistakes and being out of position. So, you know, we can say he's been, you know, average. I would say that many Seattle Seahawks fans would want to give this guy A, the offensive tackle out of Texas A&M because Pete Carroll does magic with his draft picks, I'm told. If Fetty has been productive, he's been on the on the field. If nothing else, he's been on the field for the Seattle Seahawks. I gave him a B because he started most of the games he's able to start. What would you grade the um, Jermaine Fetty? Well, first off, I'm like a condescending tone with regards to uh, Pete Carroll and that kind of thing um, and, and, how they, and how the Seahawks draft. Um, but I would have to give uh, Jermaine Effetti about a C minus. Um, if you've watched the Seahawks games, he was uh, responsible for a lot of false starts, and he's actually not even a Seahawk anymore. So, you know, we didn't think highly enough of him to resign him. So, yeah, time to move on. Kind of so he's moving on. He got to see. I say for that reason, I I, I should uh, downgrade him. I guess for for what you say. Uh, fans, next week we're going to review 2017. This was a review of the 2016 draft pick. So we had a few of them wrong. Some of these guys I could have moved down. Some of these guys Cleveland could move up. But we'll see how these guys draft in the, uh, ahead of the draft coming up. We're going to review the 2017 draft for next week. Cleveland, let's take a little break here. We're going to come back and talk about some NBA topics, what you thought about the horse competition and the NBA 2K competition, how that's progressing. Let's take a break right here. All right, once again, Cleveland, thank you for your time, man. Thank you, fans, for tuning in. Thank you, listeners, from 
listening on Rise Radio or any other podcast platform that you're listening to, whether it's TuneIn, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public. Thank you guys for listening to our podcast each and every week. We appreciate the love. Make sure you rate and review our show, though. Go into your app. Just rate and review. Give us five stars. If you don't give us five stars, I'm going to think you're hating on us. Give us five stars or then tell us why we don't get five stars. Give me some feedback out there. Cleveland, this week, this weekend, you know, we're struggling for uh, content in the sporting world. We're struggling for fans are, are desperate for any kind of action. And the NBA put on their horse competition over the weekend and their NBA 2K competition over the weekend. Now, we talked about this is going to – I'm sure you want to bring up something that happens uh, in NASCAR while they're having their event. But I want you to tell me about the trash talking in the NBA 2K event, why we can't have trash talking, and do you enjoy the, watching somebody play video games who don't, who don't trash talk? I'm not going to say that I necessarily enjoy watching people play video games when they're not trash talking. That being said, given the nature of trash talking, I find it extremely dangerous for the NBA to let their stars um, engage in that type of activity. It can only be that. I mean, their best outcome is that somebody wins a video game. Why, why worst, case, you, why, worst case scenario is the whole care? world hates somebody and ostracizes them for the rest of their career for something that they did playing a video game. Why are you so against the players showing their personality? Why, why don't you think it could, could go the other way, where fans get to see who this person really is, see what this person really thinks, and their true personality gets to shine through. Why, why don't you think that's possible in, while they're playing a video game and doing some trash talk? I certainly think that it is possible, but when you bring uh, competition and trash talking into that environment, I think it's just, uh, you know, a powder tank just waiting to go off. I, I really think that somebody's going to say something that in the heat of competition playing a video game, they didn't really mean and it could definitely jeopardize what their brand is all about. And um, being an ambassador of the league, they might have problems going forward. Man, I totally, I'm, I, I totally disagree with you, Cleveland. I totally disagree with you. I think allowing the trash talk, the fans get to see who these guys really are. And I, I think that takes away – I don't want to see – Montreal's Herald just be dry and play the game and good shot, good job, way to go. Uh, oh, you almost got me there. I want to see a little trash talk because I, I know that's him. I know that's what he does on the court. I want to see that same intensity. I want to see that same energy. I would hate to see Kevin Garnett pick up the sticks and, man, you oh, how do you do that move, man? Show me how to do that move. Oh, you, you freak me right there. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear them be real. And I think by them not being real, that takes away from their the authenticity of the game. What do you, what's your thoughts on that? I completely 100% totally disagree with you, Cam. That's that's not what's going on right now. That's not the environment that we live in. It's not something where you can say, hey, man, just be yourself. Let your hair down. Let it all loose. Show us who you really are. No. There's too much to lose by doing that. And it, it just become extremely apparent and evident as to what the consequences of that can be. And I think the NBA putting their star marquee players in that form, in that environment to do that, a mistake. Okay, so you there is an example that supports your theory on this. But I would argue that this example of what happened with the NASCAR guy using the N-word while he's playing a NASCAR game, I would argue that that's his individual personal 
ideology and lifestyle that he let be exposed. The NBA players aren't in that situation. First of all, I doubt they're going to use the N-word. There may be an F-bomb here or there, but that's the authenticity of the moment. Whereas the NASCAR driver kind of let his feelings out and the NASCAR world is like obviously totally against that 100% as, as he should be, you know, and as the guy said in his phony apology, however, the NBA, I don't think they have that same concern because the players, I mean, they're aware that you kind of, what language works and doesn't work. I would suppose. Your thoughts? No. Uh, video games are emotional. Video games are competitive. People are used to playing video games amongst their friends, and people use a different language and vernacular when they're playing amongst their friends. The NBA is, what, 90% black, so um, the racial component, yeah, sure, you're right. Probably not um, going to be emphasized that much. Um, I would I would probably make sure to guess that probably a little bit more on the sexist side um, with regards to NBA players playing against each other and <laughs> probably getting a little bit too comfortable with just playing against their friends that they've been playing against and with since AAU, since they were 12 and 13. I could definitely see how it could get a little bit uh, loose and emotional. And you're going to hear something that you, oh, my gosh, I just can't believe Donovan Mitchell said that. Oh, my gosh, I just can't believe Zion Williams said that. Oh, my gosh, I just can't believe Jason Tatum said that. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe that LeBron James has referred to Anthony Davis as the N-word. You just, I mean, you're just you're putting yourself out there in a way that is, it's, not, it's not a controllable environment. You're just playing a video game, man. The people might say or do anything, and next thing you know, they're twenty million likes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think you're. I, I disagree. I think they could be again showing their. I know. Yeah, I, I know, and and the, and the and the part that that is kind of concerning to me is that you're disagreeing because you think that players have this type of control over themselves and will do the right thing given a certain set of circumstances. But history has shown us that they won't. Well, and when the okay. whole world is watching and nitpicking at everything that you say or do, it's a way different component. It's not right. you just talking trash on the court or just the people on the court in, you know, the little bowl around the the court can hear you like, the whole world can hear you. Okay, so there was trash talking going on in the horse competition, the little that I did watch. Did you watch any horse competition over the weekend? Watch a tad bit, not a whole lot. So there was some trash talk going on between Chauncey Billups and Trey Young. There was trash talking going on between Adam, or Zach Levine and Paul Pierce. There's a little trash talk going on between these guys. They were on TV. Somebody's recording them for with the iPhone, recording every shot. They were still trash talking there. Why is that situation different than them playing video games? Because they're just playing horse, Cam. You already know, man. If you're playing, look, if me and you are on a video game playing against each other, it's going to be epic, okay? It's going to be going back and forth. If you're playing with some dude named Justin in Columbus, Ohio, you're not really caring, man. You're not going to get all, you know, off the grid with things. Video games tend to bring that out of people. Or competition between, you know, you and I, okay, it's a little bit different. Like, uh, get some, uh, get that. Oh, I don't think you can get that. I mean, I remember back in the day when I was playing horse, I mean, once you got to HO or HOR, I mean, you know, people were calling each other names, right? 
<laughs> right? I mean, but I'm, 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 but I'm, I'm calling you out your name if you have H-O-H-O-R in, the, in like the fourth grade. But however, you can kind of, you know, okay, you know, you've got a letter. Or, you know, you can kind of, you know, moderate that. When you play the video game, these dudes are not, they're not, they're not ready for that, man. I mean, I am so happy that they got through it without an incident, but it's not something that you should really keep pushing the envelope with. Because eventually it's just going to get out of hand, man. Well, fans are looking for something to tune into, man, so there got to be something. And speaking of fans in, in the NBA, let me ask you this question, man, and, and I don't mean to bring it up, and I don't mean to kind of rub salt in, in the wounds or anything, but uh, knowing that there is no Supersonics in Seattle, and believe me, that hurts me too, but should you have an opportunity to go to an NBA game if the – NBA came back to place just hypothetically July 1. Doctors in the city say fans can come to the stadium. Would How soon after July 1 would you go to a stadium to enjoy a basketball game? Considering considering the times and, you know, the, the possibility of uh, spreading this corona around. I think it's just too difficult to say. Um, I would I would definitely watch when I actually go to a game. Um, not one hundred percent sure I would I would do that by July first. September first, staying a little bit more confident depending on how the numbers look. Um, I just don't think that we're gonna have enough data and information to really make that assessment as to whether I would go personally. Um, we're, we're at the with a bunch of people. The twenty thousand people going to a Lakers game, not really. I mean, you what you think the right. Lakers is going to be? Again, providing that the city, the, the everybody says the coast is clear. You know, those are important. Doctor Fauci, the the Lakers, they they're selling tickets again. Staples Center says, okay, fans, come on into the game. You think the stadium? Instead of having 19,000 in the stadium, they're going to have 8,000? Is that what you're saying? No. What I'm saying is that if there were 19,000 to 20,000 people in the stadium, I would be extremely concerned. Uh, Fast has already said that if he, you know, if you guys want to get these leagues back up and going, that's cool. Just don't bring, you know, the fans to it. Okay, I understand. I just don't, I just don't think that we... What I'm saying, just provided they say everything's clear, providing they give you the go-ahead to have fans in the stadium. We, Honestly speaking, the fans probably aren't going to be invited back this season, okay? Just fair enough. But I'm just saying provide. I want to, I'm trying to get a gauge of you personally, how important would it be for you to go to a game actually than actually watch it on TV? And would you go to the, would you go to the arena right away? I, on the other hand, I can't wait till they say media is allowed to come to the games. I'll be there. I'm not ready to go. I would probably be much more ready to go by September. But uh July a little soon for me. Okay. And that that's what I want to that's what I wanted to get. All right, fans, we're gonna take a quick break here. We're gonna call come back and talk about this week in history. We've got a couple more in NFL topics and then we will get to the showdown, narrow down the final four to the final two championship bracket of the hip-hop, Voice of the Fans hip-hop bracket. We're going to do this in a couple of minutes. Stick with us. Move on. Let's take a break here. We'll get right back to you guys. Once again, for tuning in, this is our This Week in History segment where we talk about everything that happened in the world, a lot of things that happened in the world kind of this week. On 412, Cleveland, 1861, Civil War began in Sumter, South Carolina. 
also on this day, 4-15-1947, the late great Jackie Robinson played his first major league baseball game for your Brooklyn Dodgers. I guess you're a Brooklyn Dodger fan too, right? <laughs> I mean, I know how you jump on these teams. Well, yeah, I feel like every African-American should be a Brooklyn Dodger fan, considering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm one of them. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I like how you preface it that way. I like how you preface it that way. Um, but, yeah, man, what, what a significant time in history, 1947, before the Civil Rights Movement, before Martin Luther King started giving his speeches, speeches. Jackie Robinson played his first Major League Baseball game, first African-American to play in the league. That was incredible, 1947. And today would be Jackie Robinson Day around Major League Baseball. If they were playing, all the players would be wearing the, in honor, the number 42, which has been retired throughout the league. Only a couple players still maintain wearing that number who was grandfathered in, but a significant gesture to Major League Baseball for the late, great Jackie Robinson. 416-1862, Congress passed a bill ending slavery. 1962, so it was what, 85 years before somebody got to play, a black guy got to play in Major League Baseball 82 years after um, slavery was abolished, <laughs> a bill was passed anyway. Pretty bananas. And then the classic Alex Haley off the roots. He was awarded the Pulitzer Prize Pulitzer Prize winner in nineteen seventy seven for his book The Roots or Roots which has been famously made a movie and a couple of different versions of it. I'm sure. Well, just give us your favorite memory of Roots, man. I just remember it being a very bonding moment for the family and, you know, kind of must-see TV and kind of, you know, educational, very, I don't want to say kind of the, no, I will say kind of the precursor to Eyes on the Prize, um, I don't know if you remember that, the PBS uh, series that Julian Bond narrated. Um, they kind of went through um, the 60s, um, African-American experience and struggle. It was kind of a precursor of that kind of showing kind of, you know, where we came from and where we are. So I remember it being culturally very uh, important and definitely paying attention and um, being a participant watching it. Yeah, as we all have, man, and who couldn't remember Chicken George and Kunta Kinte, um, all these characters who really you see a lot of their um, in life in different formats of life today uh, doing their thing. But, yes, it was very uh, rudimentary for the black Americans, the black population. As you see, it was a bonding moment for many households across the country at that time. Good feedback from you. A uh, couple NFL topics we got, Mr. Cleavon. We have Todd Gurley. As we know, he's signing with the Atlanta Falcons, and he wants to wear number 21. And then kind of surprising that the jersey hasn't been retired already. I'll say that to begin with. If you were going to the Atlanta Falcons or the San Francisco 49ers or the Dallas Cowboys, is it 21 one of the numbers you would stay away from? Wouldn't feel comfortable if I thought I was really that dude. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a certain numbers. It's just like, wow, you go to Detroit, you put on number 20. It's like, well, who are you? <laughs> you better be the absolute, absolute truth, man. And why would you put that pressure on yourself? Why would you subject yourself to all of that criticism and negativity if you were going to be able to replicate what the other player that wore that number did. It's like it's just you're setting yourself up for failure, I feel like, but if that's what you want to do, and that's up to you. Yeah, man, that's what and, and as a pre and as a 
kind of a side note, apparently the Atlanta Falcons don't retire numbers. They just put you in the ring of honor, which Deion Sanders is. But, yeah, man, I just don't see what would motivate you to do that. Or, or or try and live up to that level of expectation, but up to you. Yeah, although a few players have won, worn that jersey over the past few years, I think that's the number you kind of want to stay away from, actually. Um, and like you say, unless you're that dude, you just do well, I put that extra weight on your shoulders, especially him coming from L.A. going to back to Atlanta. Like, are you trying to prove something, Todd? I mean, this is it, it 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 seems out of character for Todd actually because he's not not in, in my in my interaction with him he's not an attention grabber though he gets a lot of attention he's kind of a really cool mild mannered guy so it seems out of character that he would grab the number and say look at me or kind of create this uh, commotion or that's not really his style. So it was like, I mean, come on, 27 wasn't available, 29 wasn't available, 31 wasn't available. Come on, man. It's like uh, it, it surprises me, um, you know. But we'll see how it, it just adds a lot of pressure. And as you mentioned, you better be that dude when you get down there and see see what they can do. And speaking of that, do you think him, you have Gurley, you have Julio Jones, you have Matt Ryan. What do you think is the potential of that team? The defense should have come around. I mean, we talked about this in nauseam about Dan Quinn probably being on his last uh, leg there or toenail, if you will, um, because if he doesn't happen this year, uh, I don't know how they bring him back. What's your thoughts on, um, uh, on that combination of talent? And what do you think yeah, they're going to there? Don't think it really moves the meter. Um, I think that if he was really still that guy, he would uh, still be in Los Angeles. Um, clearly, there are some health issues, and I don't think that rest is necessarily the uh, the answer. So, yeah, I don't really see them being a whole lot better, unfortunately. You said Todd Gurley does not move the needle. Is that what you said? I did say that, yes. Oof. Now, we know you're – track record of speaking on running backs isn't that great, so I'm not sure how where I should take that. But I'm going to hold on to that one. I'm going to hold on yeah, to go, that Yeah, go, go, go ahead hold on to that one misstep that I made several years ago and have atoned for numerous occasions, but that's fine. What misstep? What, which one are you talking about? Terrell Davis doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame? You want to talk about that misstep? Which one? Oh, no, I'm still about? with that. I'm still with that. I, I thought you were referring to Christian I mean, Jackson McCaffrey. I mean, he's in, uh, he's know, in the ball. Well, we're getting back to the Terrell Davis thing. I, I, mean, mean, we, I mean, those are two missteps, misquotes, misspoke. I mean, off the top of my head right there. There's just okay. the one, and I, and I apologize, that, uh, you know, made my, uh, you know, misgivings and mistakes on that one. Okay, what do you know about this two uh, CJ two gun situation? I'm sorry, the what situation? CJ two K CJ. I call him the now. His nickname is not two K anymore. It's the CJ two guns. After uh, you know, he was shot. You, if you recall, he was shot down in Miami during the off season, and the guys who shot him. He sent a bounty out, and not exactly, not in exact words, but two guys went and finished the job for him in retaliation format. And he now is uh, under speculation, under surveillance, and might bring him in for questioning kind of on the situation. The guys that shot you are now kind of found dead, and with some, possibly some guys you know behind the trigger, what's your thoughts on that? Was that a payoff or retaliation? What's what's the deal there? What's your thoughts on that situation? Uh, I'm sure it it was both of those before mentioned, payoff and retaliation. Um, We'll see how it goes. I mean, I was one of the guys that thought Shady McCoy was not going to play another game in the NFL for 
you know, running into his ex-girlfriend's house and just having his boys just steal the jewelry that he bought her. Uh, Nothing else. That's what happened to him. That's kind of crazy. Like, okay. Great point. So we'll have this whole thing plays itself out, and, you know, we'll go from there. All right, great point, great point. Fans, now is the time. Now is the moment where we will reveal the final two in the hip-hop bracket. Okay, okay, okay. Just to kind of look back, last week we had Kareem, which was the number two seed in the East. Upset the number one seed in my philosophy to get to this point. Ain't nothing but a G thing. Beat out Ice Cube. Ain't nothing but a G thing was the number nine seed. Something questionably a number nine seed. But they beat out. Today was a good day, which was the number three seed in the West to get to this point. Area codes. In the South, Area Codes was the number four seed. Had a couple upsets. Upset Redman, upset Drake, and then upset Little Wayne, which was a two seed to get here to the Final Four. And in the Midwest Division, we have the number one seed, Lose Yourself, who defeated Till I Collapse. Buster Rhymes and the Ghetto Boys with my mind playing tricks on me to get to this point. So the competition we have today, Cleveland, Cream up against ain't nothing but a G thing. Woo. East and West Coast go at it for wow. a chance to get into the national the championship round of the Voice of the Fans hip-hop bracket. Cream, East Coast National, uh, Nathan, excuse me, East Coast Anthem of the early 90s. Ain't nothing but a G thing. West Coast Anthem of the early 2000s. I mean, both of these songs banging. Both of these songs banging. Ashrews, everything around me. Or. Tough one. Tough one. This is tough one. But that's why we're in the final four, man. Yeah, final four is always tough. One, two, coming into the four. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the door. And have to go with it. nothing but a G thing, my friend. Ain't nothing but a G thing moves on. Snoop and, Snoop and Dre. What did you say a couple of weeks ago? The whole record label was built off of these guys, huh? Yes, absolutely. Death row. <laughs> to be specific. Okay, we have area codes. Who is who's been a tough competitor, man? Eric Coase is hung in here against a tough competition. Let me restate who they beat. They beat Lil Wayne at six foot, seven foot. They beat Drake in Forever. They beat Red Man and Meth Man and How High. They started out by beating Drake. Started from the bottom. Started from the bottom. So they beat two Drake songs. And they're up against Lose Yourself. I don't know, I'm not sure this is quite as tough as the the South South and Midwest division. I'm not sure this is quite as tough as the East and West division is, but what's your thoughts? Gonna have to go with Marshall Mathers on this one, man. Gonna have to gonna have to go with Losing Yourself, man. Over the area codes. Area codes had a great <laughs> run, man. Area codes had a great, had a great run. run. They had a great run. And I, I'm a full agreement with you. So that means next week 
fans. We need you guys to tune in. We need you guys to vote. We need your feedback. Ain't nothing but the G thing. Takes on Lose Yourself as the best hip-hop song around. Which is it? Which will it be? Marshall Mathers? Marshall Mathers or Snoop and Dre? Let us know. Before we leave you guys, we're going to give you a quote from the late, great Kobe Bryant. Everything, negative pressure challenges is all an opportunity for me to rise. So everything negative pressure challenges is all an opportunity for me to rise. I think you guys should see the, see it things the same way because all your challenges, all the pressure that you get put on you, all the setbacks, all the disappointments, look at it as an opportunity to grow, to rise, to get back to the top if you're not already there. But I like that quote by the late, great Mr. Kobe Bryant, everything negative. Pressure and challenges is an opportunity for me to rise. Fans, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another fantastic week. Once again, please rate and review our podcast, however you're listening to it. If you're listening to Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Tuned In, iHeartRadio, give us five stars. If you're not giving us five stars, I think you're hating on us. Why are you hating on us? Tell me. Tell me why you're hating on us. Because Cleveland has some, Cleveland has some bad, uh, bad takes. Cleveland doesn't know about running backs. I get you. Let us know that. Cleveland what? Hear that. I mean, what, oh, what's man. the reason you're hating on us? Let us know. Let, let us you want to know? You want to know about the? You want to know about the rise, the demise, and the rise of Ryan Tanner? You don't? Yeah, tell us about it. Oh my goodness. Fans, please rate and review our podcast. Also, be sure to rate and review our show. Share the show. Tell a, tell a friend Tell a friend about Voice of the Fans. We here. We ain't going nowhere. We've been here. This is show 84. Next week, we've got show 85. We're going to keep it coming. Cleveland, thank you for your time. Right on, bro. Anytime. And fans, thank you, as always, for making our voice your choice. We talk- That's what's good in sports, man. It's a big Snoop Dogg, man.